Jim Barriford. I'm Randy Resnick. And this is this week's episode of Leave the Bottle. And we're going to be talking about a movie that you saw. Was that last night? Yeah, uh, Monuments Men. Monument Men with uh, George Clooney and cast. So that's big expectations because uh, Clooney, who else is in it? Uh, Damon, uh, Matt Damon, somebody like Matt, that? Matt Damon, uh, John Goodman, Bill Murray. Ooh. Yeah, that's what I thought going in. The Alpha then, crowd, right? There's, there's an Amazon yeah. thing, Alpha something. Yeah, I, w- I went in with higher expectations than uh, I probably should have. Okay, before we get into that, we're going to do that immediately, but I just want to mention that we are going to be talking about the devil as well ooh, after that. Ooh, yeah, ooh, it's scary. Ooh. I'm getting chills. Oh, me Tell too. Tell me about the expectations and the fall to from uh, expectations or whatever. The disappointment. Well, I, well I, I don't know if disappointment is the correct word, but I, I love all those guys. Love them all. Great cast. And Clooney wrote it or co-wrote it. Mm-hmm. Clooney directed it. I've liked everything that he's done along the way. I think he puts really nice movies together. Uh, and usually it has a very emotional punch to the movie. And this time it didn't. Uh, I mean, it's the true story of a group of art historians in World War II who were trying to get back art that the Nazis stole throughout Europe and were taking back into Germany. Uh, And so they all enlisted in the U.S. Army. These are guys who most of them were in their 30s, 40s, and 50s, not young men at all. And they actually had guns. They were out within the war to an extent. It wasn't like they were infantrymen. And so the whole story is about them from mid-1943 on trying to find this uh, art stolen by the Nazis. That I've heard the story before. Sounds like a great story, and it should have been a better movie. I was really surprised that it was like these segments. It was it was like an hour and 45 minutes of two and three minute segments that were stitched together to create one long movie. Uh, there was actually quite a bit of humor. You wouldn't think there would be humor in a movie in World War II with Nazis taking art and with uh, death involved in it. But there was. There was little interesting one-liners here and there. That was the only thing, frankly, that kept my wife and I really interested, although I could feel her losing interest in the last hour. She Ooh. was kind of... Well, La- it was last happening. hour? Last hour? Yeah, How many hours yeah. were there? It's an hour and 45 minutes. Oh, that's right. And the thing is, is he, he, you felt like it was a World War II movie, the music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The whole bit, well, I could see my wife next to me kind of starting to make fun with her hands about the music because she was kind of not getting bored, but it was just like it was one skit after another that didn't tie together. There was no emotional component. They tried to make it seem as if these guys cared, these art historians, but you never felt it the whole time. You never felt there, other than maybe... George Clooney, you never felt you never felt John Goodman or Bill Murray's pain about these beautiful works of art and these paintings and sculptures being stolen. Uh, you just you didn't get any of that. Bill Murray, frankly, was kind of left hanging dry. He didn't have much in the way of anything. Could this have been Ocean's 14 kind of vibe? In other words, where you got no. all these stars? No, it's not. That yeah. Nice. No, well, I mean, yeah, but at least that had real entertainment value. And everybody had good lines. Like the Ocean's movies, everybody has like, these little snarky, funny lines. I actually only watched the first one, which I thought was funny, but I was pretty sure that the next one wouldn't be too good. Uh, let me ask you a question, though, about uh, Clooney, for example, who's one of my favorites. I like all of the people you mentioned but what what's your favorite work from Clooney as far as a filmmaker or an actor 
I would say probably a Seriana. Which I'm, Seriana. I'm not sure I saw that. Uh, one of the things that he did, he did this serious documentary on, I guess it was his father who worked for uh, CBS or some network during the McCarthy era. I don't know if you saw it. It was almost like a documentary. No. Uh, that was great. But I mean, he's the, the latest thing, I think he won the Academy Award for uh, The Descendants. Was a good? Did you see that? That was no. A, I still very have nice. to see that. Oh have well, that. you should. It was pretty good. I know. But uh, so Clo- the, Clooney's a Clooney is a um, you know he's a good. If you if he was a stock, if that was a stock market, I mean he's a sure he's a sure yes. uh, a winner. Yes. Uh, Matt Damon usually great too. Uh, so for he was of, phoning uh, it in. He phoned it in. Uh, well, Bill Bill Murray does phone it in pretty often. Um, yes. He's great. I've seen him in really good things, but I've also seen him in some pretty schlocky phone in stuff. Yes. So uh, it was uh, the, the the funniest thing last night. Frankly, was we were sitting there watching, and I was thinking to myself, "Wow, Matt Damon suddenly looks like he's 60. <laughs> and, my, and, and my wife nudges me, and she's like, "Hey, hey!" She's like, "Matt Damon really got old." That is. <laughs> <laughs> funny like we're trying to movie whisper it in there because you know people were not that many people frankly there wasn't very many people at all in the theater oh, yeah. no there was maybe 20 people if that on a friday night uh and i expected john goodman to look older bill murray same Clooney with a beard early in the movie looked ancient, but it was shocking to see Matt Damon. I was like, wow, phoning it in and you look 60. Mm. So, you know what? It's one of those movies. Everybody watch it when it comes out on video. Don't spend $10 to go see it. I'm going to take that advice. Definitely. Uh, we should talk a little bit about what... So, okay, that's one movie. Um, you and I talked about TV last week. Um mm. I'd like to talk a little bit about what you really like in a movie. I mean, why does why is one movie good and the other one not? And I don't mean exactly like, well, Clooney was you know very tired when he was direct. Not that, but some of the elements. And I'll I'll put forth my argument right now, which is uh, especially for television, but in anything, casting may be one of the very very most important. Not casting like getting the stars that has nothing to do with anything, but particularly the second roles. In fact, are they? Believable. Uh, suspension of disbelief is huge. And if you don't get that right, I think whatever the effort is, whether it's drama, well, it would be drama, uh, is dead. You're just not going to get anything without suspension of disbelief. And and what you just described, okay, that's for a period piece, costume, music, all that. So did were these characters believable in those roles? You kind of are implying that none of them were, really. No, I mean... They didn't care. Well, I, I'm not having seen pictures of the actual art historians, it's entirely possible. Maybe they were fat, dumpy guys in their 40s and 50s. <laughs> maybe they were Maybe they were guys like me who, you know, dumpy 52-year-olds. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, but I... I, I but you know what? I, they're, 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 I, I, I agree with you as far as cast to me is everything. See, they could have made a movie. They could have made a movie with unknowns that could have worked. You can you can conceivably picture that. It would have been, right? a, would have been a lot cheaper. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then they would have had money to spend on writing, if by any chance that was needed. Um, it's. I think the biggest disappointment that I've gotten from you so far. I haven't seen it, of course. I will when it comes out, but uh, on uh, video. But the biggest disappointment would be Clooney because the, the actors, you know, they're victims of the whole context, as we know. So they could, you know, even Bill Murray. 
Murray phoning it in, could there could be reasons for that that were totally beyond his control, like having twenty seconds, you know, on see, on the camera. His, his scenes were his scenes were not very long, yeah. frankly, and, and they Bill may not Murray, have been good. No, Bill Murray may have had in the entire movie ten, fifteen lines, maybe, yeah. maybe I, I probably was a few more. But I think the biggest disappointment is because I'm a huge Clooney fan, but yeah. Clooney not only he not only starred in it, he co-wrote it, he directed it, and he produced it. It's scary. That, so you yeah. know what that means? That means that George Clooney owns that movie as far as whether it's good or it's bad. It's and he on, signed off on him. He signed yeah. off on it. He said, "I'm George. My name is George Clooney, and I approve this advertisement, like the politicians do." So yeah, that is a disappointment. What about what? Like, what do you other than the cast? What what makes it for you as far as a movie? Well, you know, I like to look at television because television is such a volatile, quick you know, piece of uh, vaporware that can either fail or go, you know, uh, whereas a movie's a much bigger investment. It's a much different thing. So in a television series, of course, the casting, uh, anything that I've ever liked, the casting has been great in. I'll give you an off the, ha- you know, off the wall example would be NYPD Blue, where every single, I mean, the, the, some junkie who was, had 10 seconds in it, the casting was excellent. And if you look at who's doing the casting in the these shows, by the way, that you, that you like, you'll notice that it's always the same. I think Sharon yes. Bialy uh, was a name that keeps coming up constantly. Uh, the Sopranos, another example. The casting in that was amazing. Every person in there, well, there was a little exaggeration in the main characters, but all of the secondary, you know, f- people who just came through, there wasn't one that you didn't believe. And in bad TV shows, like um, Michael J. Fox's show with the kids, th- these oh. problems are always that the, the casting is not believable. Yes. And I mean, there's got to be politics and a lot of reasons for that. Now, you in know, movies, go ahead. You know who one of the biggest casting directors of all is? And you see her name on many, many shows. Christian Slater's mom. I didn't know that. Yes. If you look back over the last 30, 35 years in television and you see, I think it's Mary Jo Slater. Oh, it's his, interesting. It's his, his mother. She's one of the biggest casting director. And he actually has a new series coming out in the next couple of weeks. I know. I'm looking forward to that. You know, I really this, like him. Steve and he, Zahn. Yeah. He, I really like him. But at the same time, he has this horrible curse where everything he touches, he's like, uh, who's the guy from uh, Lost? Uh, Peter? Uh, no. Um, yeah. P- uh, no. Terry Quinn. Terry O'Quinn. Terry Quinn. Terry O'Quinn, yeah. Uh, everything they do on television is dead. And also, um, another guy I really like, uh, Jimmy Smits. Yes. He just, you know, uh, when he has his own series, they fail. And by the way, they're not bad. They just, for some reason, they don't work for some. He's wonderful why. in Sons of Anarchy right now. Oh, he's Jimmy great Smits in that? Is, he's great in Sons of Anarchy. And he was, there was a series, did you ever see the series called Cain, about the sugar cane, the, the Cuban I think I watched, family? I think I watched one or two episodes, and I, I think I knew right away it was never going to make it. So I didn't invest any more time in it. Well, that was a shame because he was great in that, and that was actually a very good series. I my suspicion is that there was a that there was a cultural thing that people just didn't they weren't going to sign off on that because these people were Cubans and it wasn't interesting. But the art direction, there was a lot of really good color. That was actually a great series. Anyway, we're getting pretty far afield. Uh, so you're not recommending this movie for people, obviously, except no, see it on I, video. No, I, I, it's not. It's not a waste of time if it's on video, Blu-ray, whatever. It, you, you'll be entertained, you know. And if you know, or if you're renting it for a couple of bucks from iTunes, you know, probably two or three months from now when it comes out, do it. Do they it's, still wait it, that long? By the way, 
Depends on how depends how it does, on, depends right? Depends on the movie, yeah. But you know what? For ten bucks, no. If you're a senior citizen and you can get in for five bucks on a Tuesday afternoon, eh, knock yourself out. Yeah, but well, there's, there's, just, lo- there's too many other movies out there. Well, we'll have to yeah. look into the list because we don't uh, over here. We don't get the movies at the same time, so I have a chance to see what everybody thinks of them. Anyway, back to um, what we think is worth seeing in the entertainment thing. I think you have to be moved. And a question I wanted to ask you, I know my answer is have you uh, do you very much get moved to tears i mean obviously we laugh in movies have you teared up in a movie or have you felt I'm at a, least you know chill or whatever i cry at commercials <laughs> <laughs> i admit it i am the world's my wife just laughs at me all the time you know the biggest tearjerker of all for me right now going on parenthood ah. every freaking episode of parenthood i've got a beach towel because i'm <laughs> sobbing like a little baby I, it's terrible it's terrible it used to be i don't remember when i was a kid being this blubbery watching hmm. tv although i don't think back then i watched like the odd couple and mash and all that stuff so you're not going to cry over that right. but it's i think it's also a lot of if you watch a lot of a very emotional shows as opposed to sitcoms you're not going to watch you know some silly you know uh, how you met how i met your mother yeah. and you're not going to cry over that but i think that like for us we watch a lot of shows that invest a lot of emotional components to it and so oh yeah i freely admit i'm 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 pathetic i'm really you'd be embarrassed watching some shows with me well and isn't that a um but that's one of the marks so you know i said casting obviously and and you know of course art direction the intro to the uh, the titles a lot of times i mean there have been i could go through a list i'm not gonna do it now but uh, a list of say 10 series that have just had the most amazing title sequences uh, and that helps bring things on. It shows a quality and a uh, attention to detail, you know. And then, of course, the acting, obviously. Now, uh, wait a minute. You, yeah. you didn't you didn't fess up or not fess up? Oh no, it, I'm sorry. I should have. Yeah, you, no, of course. Oh uh, no, no, I'm sitting there with my <laughs> I, wife. I'm, I open I opened my vein right. about that. That I do that. So. You're right. You're right. No, no, totally, totally. I wouldn't have asked. Uh, no, I uh, tear. I can't think of the last time I did. But I mean, even in some fairly schlock series, they managed to do it. And the reason I asked the question at all is because beyond the casting, the writing, the art direction, uh, the direction itself, and whatever, the story, uh, there is this, did they touch you or not? So if we took it away from this idea of intellectualizing and saying, you know, there's this element, this the other way to say that is, one, suspension of disbelief, which if that's not working, you start going, huh, well, uh, if I was in the FBI, you know, then that's dead. It's it's another kind of entertainment, a snarky kind. And I like that too, but it's different. So and the other I. thing is, of course, comedy has to make you laugh. But I mean a real laugh, not just a chuckle or a guffaw, but a real, wow, that's me, that could have been me, that kind of thing. And in the crying thing, I think that that's a connection that you've got with whatever the scene is or the character. And to be... A hundred percent honest, that can be, you can do that whether it's the character's female or male. At least I'm speaking for myself now. You can be in a thing and, and just be tearing up and you're identifying with the woman. I don't have a problem with admitting that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, that's entertainment. I used to have my uh, my ex-stepfather. He used to get just so irate when we'd be watching shows and like <laughs> say my mom and I would be getting all worked up I about know. it. Oh, for Christ's sakes. No, for Christ's sakes. They're just acting it's somebody just 
wrote some lines and gave them some lines. Oh, for Christ's sakes. Now, you know, they got done reading their lines and they just went home. It's all fake, blah, 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 blah. He would come, no suspension of reality in any way, shape, or form. This is a problem. And, and it was just like, oh, my God, really? Okay. Life, I, life is too short to take it all that literally. It's like I want to sometimes sit there for an hour and get lost in the moment. Exactly. I mean, isn't, that, isn't that why when you go to a movie and you're among a hundred or two hundred strangers, or you know you're sitting on a couch and you have the lights down, and you know you've got your cat on your <laughs> lap or whatever, you're petting your dog, and you want to get lost in that because you spend enough of your day dealing with work or situations that come up or maybe health issues whatever don't you want to take some time to get really lost in into those moments i mean to me i think they're precious and i think th those of us who like going say going to the movies or really enjoy a really well done tv show and that's why sometimes it really an annoys me when a tv show sucks yeah because it's like now i've just kind of been robbed in a sense of that experience of sitting there and just being lost and it's like going to a concert it's going to see Bruce Springsteen mm -hmm. and knowing that for three and a half hours, you and 20,000 other new best friends are just going to have this amazing connection together with Bruce, with the band, the whole nine yards. I've had friends who are just, they never go to concerts. They never cared to. And like, well, I can just play the album at home. I've oh, it's had, totally different thing. Yeah. And I've had friends who have just like, they can't stand when musicians play different versions of songs on stage as opposed to the album. And I'm like, then why, why, why are they, why do they have to just sit there and be wrote just doing the exact same thing they did in the studio? Why can't they experience something different? Why as me as the listener or the viewer, why can't I experience something? Yeah. The fact is you would be screwing yourself out of the, if you really want people to play exactly the way they played on the album, you're uh, screwing yourself out of the experience of actually being a part of the thing. And when you go to a, I'm speaking as a musician, when you go to a concert, I've never been in a play, but I can talk about music. When you go to a concert, you are part of that experience. And I'd like to believe that if you were in a play, by the way, as against a movie, uh, it's the same thing. I know people who do plays and who have been on tour and stuff, and I'm pretty sure that it's exactly the same thing. Every night is a little bit different. Yeah, they say the same lines, just like you would sing the same lines if you're singing a song. But there's a difference, and that difference is you out there in the audience, because depending on how hard you laughed and how hard you cried or whatever, this is a huge feedback loop that happens. And there's really no point in it if that's not working. So that's a shame, yeah. Now, you as a musician, how much leeway have you, have you enjoyed over the years being able to do your own thing? We always, I have never played in a band that had to play everything uh, rote and exactly the way it was done. Um, the, the most important success I had was with a band that was, first of all, we went in the studio without rehearsing. In fact, I've never rehearsed really uh, for in anything I've recorded. Yeah, you know the song, but you don't rehearse it until you know it's note for note. I've never had to play anything note for note, and I'm not capable of it, frankly. And I have a huge respect for people who are. Um, but anyway, uh, I'm lucky, and I'm, I'm doing some music right now, and it's the same thing. I'm telling the guys, look, I don't like to rehearse. Let's get to know each other musically, and let's create something for the people who are there. And if there's one person listening, that's one more than <laughs> if one wasn't listening. I mean, I don't care. Um, they're there. We're in, we put ourselves in a situation where people are hoping for that, I hope, and that's, that's, that's definitely my thing. 
And hopefully exactly. not too many musicians in the audience, because as you and I mentioned uh, to each other the other day, musicians are the worst audience. You really don't want to play for other musicians. I'm sure actors don't want to act for other actors. And uh, writers don't want to write for other writers and so on, because there's always an ego thing involved, and there's always this analysis involved that is totally the opposite of the experience that the average person will have when they want to be entertained. I want to be entertained. Now, you know, it's, it's different. Different, I, I've, different contract. I've, I've gone to hundreds of concerts over the last, I don't know, almost 40 years, and I can almost always tell when the musicians are enjoying what <laughs> they're doing yeah. as opposed to they're just there to earn a paycheck. Because there's plenty of them there. To, they could be, sometimes there are bands that have been together a really long time, and it, they've kind of gone the spinal mm-hmm. tap route a little bit. Um, <laughs> One of the greatest I, movies I, ever, by the way. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, and it's like... Uh, Top 10. I saw, I saw George Thorogood in the Delaware Destroyers uh, at a big coliseum, like 10,000 people. And then two years later, I saw him at Toad's Place in New Haven for like 400 people. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, wow, yeah, that, that's got to be an ego pop a little bit there. But you know what? He still looked like he was having fun when he was doing it. Even when I saw him at Toad's Place, he, he George was still up there jamming away. He looked like he was still having the same good time he had two years earlier with 10,000 Well, people. if he's real, I think that's true. Um, that wouldn't be a problem. I mean, you can always be disappointed that you're not making as much money or you're not getting enough, uh, you're not getting as much of <laughs> as you used to. Sure. But uh, in the end, if you're an authentic musician, artist, uh, you're up there and you do your thing and you're always, it's the opposite of phoning it in. I hate this phoning it in concept because it's so, uh, I can't, I, there's no word that isn't a horrible word that I can say. <laughs> uh, it's, you can't do that. Uh, you shouldn't do it in in anything in life. You should never phone anything in. If you're sweeping, you know, you have to sweep up a, a kitchen. You should not phone it in. I'm not saying it's the greatest thing in the world, but you know what? You'll find that a training yourself in life to be sincere and authentic in what you're doing, no matter what it is, will be an amazing, amazing experience for you. You're working for yourself always. I try to tell people that. They, they go, huh? Whatever. Well, yeah, you're always I, when working I was, for yourself. Oh, when I was younger, I was a phone-it-in kind of person. I admit it. You know, I was a footloose, fancy-free, and too fancy-free. And it took me probably until I was in my 40s to realize that, number one, I made things a lot harder on myself quite often by doing that. And so it's like now I do, it's like doing things the right way the first time, or trying to at least, or caring enough to try that instead of half-assing it. And then all of a sudden, you have to do it again, and you have to do it again. And that could be whether it's work or it could be a relationship. It could be uh, how you're dealing with friends or family or whatever. And not putting forth that effort and not having, frankly, not even having the self-respect to do as best as you can in a given moment, whether it's whether it's you know talking to somebody or whether it's doing a job where you're actually earning your paycheck, whatever it is. And it's kind of, in one sense, sad that it took me until my 40s to realize that. But at the same time, it's like, but I finally did realize that. And it's good. It's a, it's a good thing, you know, and procrastination and and not understanding that you're just harming yourself in the end. You're, when you take these shortcuts, you're just harming yourself. And, and also you can end up harming those around you by doing that. And you have, you know, you have to understand that some work situations, if you're working in a corporation or, you know, I mean, there are 
uh, contexts where it's, it would be very hard to do the best you can because you're working for somebody and they're going, well, you know, serve the next customer. But if you were in your own shop, look at the difference. If you're in your own shop, you're talking, oh, Mrs. Murphy, how are you? What can I do for you today? You're, you know, what kind of, oh, you want to, uh, you want a steak. Okay. Uh, how's the, how are the kids doing? This is the way we have still have butcher shops in this country, by the way, uh, and bakeries and stuff. So people, I mean, I don't like to go in there because it takes an hour and a half if there's two people in there because the guy is doing that. But this, I enjoy watching it and that it is done because you're not going to get that at the supermarket meat counter. And even though there is a guy there and he might even be a butcher at the supermarket meat counter and sometimes you can talk to him and, you know, he'll, yeah, well, but it's still... Unless he's totally not phoning it in and he wouldn't have a good reason not to because the boss would be on him going, don't, you know, phone it in, basically, is what, you know, you're never encouraged to really give of yourself. And it's difficult to do. So I get that not everybody can do it under that context. But if you're phoning it in in your own shop, which means take control of your own life, this is my shop, even if I'm working for somebody, this is my shop. And as long as I'm not being surveilled and there's going to be a report at the end of the day going, well, you, you know, didn't phone it in enough. If you were talking to Mrs. Murphy and you asked her about the me, if you have any liberty at all to do it, you're going to do yourself a huge favor by not phoning it in, by actually being real and authentic and being there as if your life depended on it. Because you know what? In my opinion, it does. You know, I, I absolutely agree with you. I really do. It, it took, like I said before, it took me a long time to realize that, but I really enjoy that now. And I feel that because of that, it's not just that I'm more productive at my job, which I absolutely am. Sure. It's not, it's not that I'm just more productive, like around the house, getting things done for my wife, which I am. But I can, when I sit down or when when I'm driving along in my car, I can have that realization that I'm doing what's right, that I'm doing for myself the things that I need to do to be not just productive, but satisfied and happy as opposed to being that proverbial hamster in the wheel, mm -hmm. chasing, chasing, chasing all the time because you're doing shortcuts because you're shortchanging yourself. All that is in the end is shortchanging yourself. That's right, because you're teaching yourself, and uh, we should probably close with this because I could talk about this for 20 hours, literally, and I pro you probably could too. But um, just a quick uh, sealing that topic off in saying that if you are being half-assed, you are training yourself to be half-assed. So the next time, and, and suppose you're, let's say, 30, 35, and you still haven't realized this. So you're being half-assed, you're being half-assed in your job, you're being with maybe in other things. And all of a sudden, you know, you meet this the woman of your life or the man of your life. And you know what? You probably, you are well-trained to be half-assed. You're going to be half-assed on that. Yeah, so, absolutely. and I mean, this goes on and on to maybe a hobby that you like or whatever it is. Don't train yourself to be half-assed. Train yourself to be full-on. When you can't, you can't. But when you can, do it. Absolutely, Randy. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> and now, tell me about the devil. Yeah, I know. Well, We've been going on. about the devil. This is hard. We need to do like a four-hour version. But all right. <laughs> the Bruce um, Springsteen version. Okay. Right. Exactly. But uh, okay. So this is another topic I wanted to get into. Two things. We'll go and get into only one this time. But common concepts like the devil, good and evil, and so on is one. And the other is karma. And in both cases, I think that in a sense, the devil exists. And I'm going to explain that with an anecdote, and then hopefully you'll come up with one. Um, this happened to me several years ago. I was living in our apartment in Paris. We had a neighbor who was a real pain in the butt. And everybody in the building, there were maybe two 
seven apartments in this building, and everybody in the building hated him, and he hated everybody. He was a horrible guy, did everything. And I'll give you one example. Some people put a baby carriage down, a, a, a stroller, is that what they're called? Down in the, not the lobby, but the common area. And nobody cared except him. What did he do? He dumped his garbage can into the stroller. To He couldn't go and say, well, that's against... Well, he actually, he did write in chalk, this is against the rules someplace. But the point is, if that doesn't give you some index into the personality, okay? The guy also... Um, was slamming furniture, people were making noise, he was doing this and that, and he just was horrible with everybody. Um, he got quiet for a while because he met one of the neighbors in the stairs who he was irritating, and the neighbor punched him in the stomach really hard, and he just, suddenly we didn't hear anything from him for a couple of weeks or months, but he was just this horrible, horrible guy. And you looked into his eyes and you saw this evil and anger and horrible unhappiness, and he lived with a woman who, by the way, exactly the same. Um, this is like the Rosemary's baby eyes that you're looking into. These are lizards. Uh-huh. Some people say lizard people. I just want to give you the picture that this was pretty intense. And we were living with, you know, there's like these five, six apartments. There were old people. There was a woman who had her legs amputated and lived on the fifth floor with no elevator. Uh, there was, so, you know, not to get too fine a point on it, there were, there were not too many young people. There was a fine lady living in, no, never mind that. Anyway, there were lots of diverse people and this guy just grated on everybody's nerves. And one day, um, I was, happened to, I walked out of my apartment, was walking downstairs and he was in front of me and I put my hand out and I kind of tapped him. And right at that moment, I felt, not felt like, you know, uh, supernatural devil thing, but I realized that I really, really wanted to push this guy's ass down the stairs and hard. And had I done that, and I mean, I'm serious when I say that I really felt a muscular, visceral wanting to do it. Now, when I say that the devil exists, I'm not saying that there was an actual devil or that any of that is real. What I'm saying is that there is a concept where a person can be so horrible, so unhappy, so projecting this hatred that it moves over to you, just like the Rosemary Baby thing or the other, all these other supernatural. It moves over to you, and if you let it, what if I would have led? I mean, not that I made an effort. I somehow it just didn't happen. But if I had succumbed to that urge and just pushed the guy down the stairs, what if he would have broken his neck or something, which would have made right. me very happy at the time. But I may have spent my life in jail or regretted it for some reason, whatever. So this is a one of my concepts is that this can happen, this whole transference of hatred, and it's a horrible thing. And this is going to bring us to uh, your extension of the topic, uh, Jim. But the but the main thing is that we've got it all. Everyone is is implicated in this. We've got to be careful not to let these messages propagate. And you've got to stop it where you are right now. You don't have to say anything to anybody. You just don't repeat that stuff that we're hearing, for example. Uh, there's a lot of political stuff. There's a lot of all kinds of things. And television, daytime television, and you wrote an article about this, you wrote a Medium post. Um, it's a pretty good example, I think. So let's go over to you and your contribution to the devil well, and the hatred. Yeah. 
Well, the thing is, is, is we can absorb other people's energy for good and for bad, whether you want to call it evil or just somebody being an asshole or something like that, whatever, but we can absorb either way. I normally would prefer the good way, but I, I, you know what? I'm, I'm one of these people. I freely admit it. I get all worked up. I watch political stuff and I get, I just get visceral. Same thing with watching sports. You know, if, uh, if I'm watching the Yankees or I'm watching Toronto Maple Leafs and they're winning, yeah, I'm like all psyched and I'm like with everybody else, all happy, happy. And if they're losing, then I'm like all ticked off and all that. And and we can absorb all of that. And what the what I was writing about this week in Medium was about daytime television and luckily because of my job I normally work Monday through Friday during the day and so happily I don't get to see daytime television but you know if there's holidays which I'm a state employee, so we get holidays. Shoot mm-hmm. me. And uh, so then I get the unfortunate, not task, but a lot of times, because I go to laundromats. I think um, I was talking to my wife earlier today that since I moved out of my family's home when I was 18, other than two years, I've always used laundromats. I can afford a washer and dryer. And I think I'm almost at the stage of getting one finally. But <laughs> I enjoy, <laughs> but I'm more because of other reasons, but I enjoy watching people. People in the laundromat and there's, you see this all these people from different socioeconomic environments and you know educational environments and it's a, like this interesting shared experience and I, I don't care I've lived in like Florida New York Connecticut no matter where it's always the same and you just see these these groups of people and and they'll have the TV on and they're watching the worst television possible I mean a million years ago it was soap operas then it went on to like the judge uh, People's Court and Judge Judy kind of yeah. shows, and then it became Maury Povich and and Jerry Springer and all that, which is where we're at now. And at one time, I almost found some of those shows slightly amusing until I started seeing what it was doing to people. And I'd be sitting there in the laundromat, reading a book, reading a magazine. Lately, I, I do a lot of my writing uh, in the laundromat for whatever reason. I can write better in the laundromat, and I'm watching these people, watching these people on TV, and they're getting all worked up. Oh, look at her she's calling out that was she the the baby daddy and, and and making all the derogatory comments about the guy on there and then all of a sudden, oh my god, can you believe she's sleeping with her sister's boyfriend? And they start talking about the women on the TV. And before you know it, you got the whole laundromat in an uproar <laughs> watching these people on a TV and the people on the TV are just behaving abysmally. It's just like But isn't some I of know. this stuff scripted by the way, don't you think? I mean I reality think, well, TV is not not supposed to be, but I'm sure I've well, I've heard people before who have been on some of these shows who say behind the scenes the producers are like we need you to like lose it out on the stage yeah. because that makes for entertaining TV. But uh, part of my story this week in Medium was that it creates hate TV. Daytime TV creates hate TV because you see people in the studio. The studio audience people are just like they're horrible human beings. Yeah. I'm sorry if you go to watch Jerry Springer and you're sitting in the audience, you're a horrible human being you really are you're a horrible human being because you're contributing to these poor bastards up on the stage being manipulated and being twisted and turned by the producers and by the hosts and you showing up is telling them we want to participate well that's people talk you know to talk about like in roman days you know with a thumb up and thumb down. i was going to say that it's no different we're at that stage and if you're sitting at home or you're sitting in that laundromat with me and you're you know yelling obscenities at the 
TV and you're getting so worked up, you're participating in all that too. And it's just, it's not even entertaining. It's just sad. I'm looking at these people that, that are like, that I see every week at the laundromats. There's it's actually like, been a why? couple of, um, there's been a, that's been the theme of at least two uh, perhaps legal stories I've seen. I think there was a law and order about that and there was probably a uh, whatever else there is of, of cops or law and order um, or lawyers of that exact thing where someone got killed and it was because they uh, the producers were manipulating people and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, that whole theme was exposed. And um, I think that that's a big problem, yeah, that there's no social responsibility there at all. And of the shows uh, we like that we've talked about, there's often an element of social responsibility as well, yeah. uh, whether it's lawyers, cops, or what, even comedy. Uh, some of the Sorkin uh, smarmy comedies also have a little social responsibility. But those are the healthy ones. And then what you're describing, which is during the day, and by the way, um, maybe there's a lot of people who are unemployed or having various problems. Yes. So this is their yes. diversion. So it's another way of phoning it in, in a way. They're not doing the healthy thing to, uh, to live in whatever, at whatever level they can. Because not everybody's rich, obviously. Very, only 1% or less are. So, you know, you can't get everything you want financially, and you may not have a great job. But it's unfortunate that looking at that makes you feel better because you feel superior. That's basically the theory behind that, right? I, in my opinion, it is. In my opinion, it's, okay, I may be down on my luck right now. I may not have very much money right now. I might be unemployed. I may have never been employed, but at least I'm not them. And that that's just, it's yeah. sad. It's sad in the end if you have to, if you have to elevate yourself by putting somebody else down. And, and that's a lot of, and it's more than just daytime TV. I mean, you see that all the time, but that's just like one little microcosm of it and i actually like this this week i never leave feeling good when i see that kind of thing but it was just overwhelmingly depressive when i left this week i went in there feeling you know, fine and i was going to be writing about something while i did uh, my laundry and i after a while i couldn't wait to get out because the comments in the laundromat were worse than the comments on the tv and i was looking at, and i saw you know the kind of cars they had outside and i'm not being judging or anything like that but it's obvious you know they're you know not things aren't Aren't going exactly in their life the way you know one would hope that they were going with. I have a suggestion. Can't you go to like a Russian laundromat, someplace where you can <laughs> understand the what they're well, saying, think, and the TV well, I, channel could be Russian too for that man. Well, I think that's also now. Uh, it kind of goes in line with there are certain TV shows I just don't want to watch anymore because I don't want that stuff in my head. Even though I love like the blacklist and things like that, that is so out of the realm of reality, really. Oh, the blacklist with uh, what's that, his name? Uh, Spader. Yeah. Spader. So it's all, not cartoonish, but it's more cartoonish to where you know that it's not real. But there are some stuff, you know, there there are things out there that are so real in their ugliness. I don't need them in my head. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of where I'm getting at with the laundromat too. As far as I can't I'm, watch reality, any kind of reality. By the way, we don't have, to my knowledge, we don't have stuff like the people you've mentioned. And I don't even know. I've heard the name Mori Povich. I don't know what he does. I've never seen him. I have seen the other guy, um, 
Springer? Springer uh, for like 20 seconds before turning it off. But I can't watch any of that. I mean, that's that to me, that's like the lowest. I could sit alone without a book, without the internet, without anything, and think of more interesting things in my mind <laughs> than that stuff. So, well, including you'd be much healthier for it. Yeah, you'd yeah. Be no, healthier for it. But I, but, I get you know, what you're saying about the laundromat because I there was a period in my life where I was in laundromats, and it's true, it's a total experience. And there was always, even 40 years ago when I was doing that there was a tv on um it wasn't that though because we hadn't gotten to that point yet so it was it was more uh, Reg, regis Philbin, Philbin and you know it was it was stuff that wasn't particularly of uh, <laughs> big value but it was that's what you watched when you were unemployed i mean as a musician i watched what unemployed people watched which was commercials for getting a license to drive a truck uh, a lot of used car los angeles a lot of used car stuff um Game shows? Yeah, the game shows, a little bit of game shows. Not that much during the day. Soap operas, as you said. And I've never been able to watch those either, by the way. not I don't think they're bad. I just I can't get into them. Of course, Revenge is a nighttime soap opera, actually, if oh, you think I about it. I hate you for getting into Revenge. <laughs> you mentioned it last week to me, and yep. I'm through seven episodes this week so far on Netflix. Guilty and pleasure. a binge-a-thon. It's like, oh my, it's like I, back in the 80s watching Dynasty and Dallas and all that nonsense. I know, it's exactly And you didn't that. want to admit to your friends, oh, oh yeah, I'm not going out tonight because I'm going to watch Dynasty. Exactly, you know, except they, that they now you don't, have to, you don't have to say you're not going out because it's all timed, uh, you know, T-vote or whatever. So you, right. you never... Fortunately, at least you don't have to do that. Say, well, I no. can't go out tonight because that would be embarrassing. Yeah, of course. I just oh said God. that I'm watching Revenge right now. So, well, yeah, but that's okay <laughs> because you watch it at a time when you don't want to do anything else. Yeah, and it's like I also just don't care anymore. It's like you know, if you want to laugh at me because I'm watching some hokey show set in the Hamptons with a bunch of rich, murderous people. Okay, fine. But let's get into that a second because that's uh, again another thing that that I see. Uh, it's the investment you want to put into. So if you want into a TV or a drama of any kind. So uh, Madeline Stowe, and I don't know the actor's name, unfortunately, but she's pretty famous, whereas he's not. But anyway, those that couple, I just... People, They're bad people. Horrible, horrible people. They're horrible and, people. And it, it's total... Talk about cartoons, by the way. That's a cartoon. I mean, that's a total, so over-the-top, horrible people. Yes. Uh, you know, and the series actually is kind of interesting in that, at least for the first however many episodes... Uh, this woman is getting revenge, and that's a little bit like uh, My Name is Earl, the opposite of that, if you've ever watched that, mm. which is the guy yep. wants to make up for his what he's done. I thought that was a great concept, by the way. The show, so the way the show went after a few episodes, I wasn't that thrilled with, but I liked the actor, and I liked the concept was great, because I would love to do that, too. I'd love to go around and go, hey, I'm Randy, and... Uh, I uh, did something bad, and I want to make it up. Want to make it up? Because who doesn't? Who has not? Who among us can throw the first stone? And who among us cannot look back at your youth and go, "Oh man, I that is just so wrong." Well, love, I can tell nothing you, you can know, do. You know, I I actually was a major Ted Nugent fan. I and I look back Ooh. at that and all my regrets of my life, and I've got many, probably too many. But I was a Ted Nugent. Fan. But was he talking about things in those days, was, or was he just playing? Yeah, he, no, he was an asshole even then. I mean, he, oh, yeah? he he kept it a little bit less then. But I, I look back now, and it's like, ugh. But you know, that's a, that's a whole nother subject. 
Yeah. You know, I, 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 I live in Connecticut and I'm very middle class kind of person, but the people that you see on revenge, <laughs> they are, there are many of them among me, among where I live. Though they're not, there is definitely, there is many. I mean, the highfalutin, you know, living the, the good life and you know, that the self entitled and thinking that they can buy anybody kind of thing. There is quite a bit of that around here, but that still doesn't change the fact that that shows a cartoon and I still hate you for. It is a cartoon, but, there's a, but but uh, cartoons, because of their absurdities, um, are are good entertainment. And for example, there's a show that I really love now. In fact, we're going to make some recommendations right before we close. Um, yeah. I'm going to recommend a show. I was going to first of all tell people to watch this Mozart in the Jungle, but that's a pilot. It's not going to be a show unless everybody votes for it. It's an Amazon thing. Vote for it, people. Vote for it. I watched it last night. Oh, you saw it. You I was going to ask. I loved it. Yeah, it's good. I didn't see it. I don't think it's the greatest show ever made, but Amazon but it's fresh. make it. Yeah, no, but yeah. it's fresh compared to, say, Bosch, who, which is a detective. You know, it has a little angle of freshness, but it's not that original. Um, we already tore apart uh, the after. It's pretty, pretty yeah. poor reflection of the event and whatever else flash forward and all of those. It's not that good. Uh, I really liked Mozart in the Jungle. It was I, good. I was prepared. I was prepared not to like it at all, and I liked it. It has a lot of the elements, um, and since it's kind of a comedy, so it doesn't need to suspend disbelief. And it's close, unless you're a classical musician, and I'm not anyway. Um, you don't have a particular knowledge of that, so you know it seems like yeah, that could be something like that. But the point is, it's a modern uh, thing. So the the uh, sub the not the subtitle, but the nickname for the show is uh, "Sex, Drugs, and Classical Music." play on the sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Um, It's got, um, you know, kind of a girl's thing with the uh, young woman who's uh, an oboist. Yes. And it's it's a nice... So, I mean, you see what her expectations are and stuff, and... You she's can put cute. yourself in, yeah, she's, I, I like that character, by the way. Yeah, I do. Um, and the young people and all that. And I mean, I can't identify directly because it's a totally different generation, very different from me, but I can put myself in the skin of these people enough to empathize. And if she has her heart broken, I'd probably shed a tear. I don't know. She's sweet. So well, that's a good job. For, you know, if people, uh, the Amazon pilots, go to AmazonOriginals.com and you can vote on the pilots. Yeah, and definitely. You, I would say vote on that one. Well, watch it first. And yeah. if you agree, vote on it. If you don't agree, vote on it for us. What's I'd like to see. I'd like to see that again. I want to see more of it. What else do you recommend? Uh, that was that. I'll recommend what I think is probably one of the best. Now, you have the right to argue with this because we never spoke of it. I think one of the very best shows that's ever been on television in the history of television is The Good Wife. Have you ever watched that? I can see you hate yes. it. Yes. <laughs> All right, before I you... Don't, I don't hate it. Good. Go ahead. You tell me why you... And I'm going to be very quick ever. because, you know, no, no point in repeating the same thing. Casting is excellent. Michael J. Fox, by the way, is in that. Very, He's had a recurring role, and he's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant in it, which makes me and wonder... And now he's going to have... Now Michael J. Fox is going to have even more time to be on it since his show got canceled. Absolutely. But he's... he's Everything he's in, that's worth a little diversion. The man must have been 
one of the kindest and most friendly and wonderful personalities in show business because yes. the challenges of producing a show with him with his Parkinson's disease have got to be some important challenges. You know, a lot of time, you know how that is when you're producing a show. It's, Absolutely. You know, it's got to be money. a big deal. And he gets on these shows and he's brilliant at every one of them except his own for some reason. I don't know. He got sabotaged by something because you absolutely want that show to be great and it sucked so i don't know can't explain yeah, I, I loved family ties i've always been a huge fan of his i admire him as a human being his absolutely his, for, his forthright dealing with what he's gone yep. through has been absolutely amazing if you're not a fan of michael j fox then i don't want to know you yeah guys. that's i agree and it's not not in a feeling sorry for him kind of sense because no. he doesn't feel sorry for himself no so why should i it's that the and he makes fun who, of himself in the good yes, wife you yes. did so you you don't i like him in that i do like oh you did see when, him when he's okay. in it okay because he kind of makes fun of him. It's it's an absolute absurd because he's he plays on the Parkinson's in the fictional thing, and it's absolutely that is just a knockout. His he shines on the screen when he's in it. Anyway, um, what I like about it is that I think the casting is great. You got the horrible, horrible guy with the Bluetooth headset. He's always <laughs> uh, David Lee or something is his name, and he's a famous British actor by the way who's done a lot. Um, all of the main roles are superb actors. Uh, the woman who plays Diane, I should have written these names down, but she's very famous. She's done comedy. She's done uh, drama. She's fantastic. One of the partners. Uh, the guy who plays Will is also, he's in Sports Night, and he's been in mm -hmm. a whole bunch of other things. Do you know his name? What's his name? You know it. I don't remember uh, his name, but he was really good with uh, with Peter Krause in Sports Night. Yep, and he's been in, uh, he was, actually, he was in that movie with... Um, Oh, Robin Williams, the Circle of Dead Poets Society or whatever. Dead Poets Society. Yeah. Wow, that's a and he was in, ago. but he won an Academy Award, I think, in that or something. Or he was he was a huge in that anyway. He was like I, a little I don't kid. dislike The Good Wife at all. I really don't. It's one of those shows that if I end up watching it, it's I, it's fine. You're okay. I with think that. I, I I watched it faithfully for about a year and a half, and I think after a while I just kind of drifted away. But seeing some of what I've been hearing about lately, maybe I need to revisit. You it. gotta revisit. You if you want to okay. be my friend, you have to revisit okay. it. I'll and here's revisit it. and here's why. Not just because of the casting, the direction, all the rest of it, the acting screen. But w another thing that's really good about it is that. They're like, they're like four days. I don't know how they do this. They had a big thing about Bitcoin uh, right like 20 seconds after some big thing came out about Bitcoin. Then they, had, they have these things about Google searches and stuff. They're right there. These writers are brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant. They, they do a vignette, a throwaway scene. Um, oh, no, I'm not going to be able to think of the guy. Somebody that you've heard of for years and you haven't seen him for years. And all of a sudden, oh, my God, they're using him. It's crazy. Uh, everything they do, you know, in music, when somebody's playing a solo, you're listening to it and you're going, if you analyze it at all, you go, man, even the throwaway riffs or a comedian, throwaway jokes, little throwaway jokes and expressions that he does. Um, you look at that and you go, wow, that's, that's attention to detail. That's really amazing. And The Good Wife, to end this uh, whole long thing, The Good Wife has that in everything. It's up to date. It has all the moral stuff. It's occasionally, it's gotten a little exaggerated in the, the hatred between the two main characters because they're now not a number anymore, an item, and uh, there's that. But it's just 
constantly experimenting. It's it's really, really good television, and it's very, very intelligent. The dialogue is is up to the level of what Sorkin at his best, and he did great, great work for a while. So that's my recommendation would be The Good Wife. And a lot of people are into it, so you've got to get back. Well, I think that the producers of The Good Wife, if they ever hear this from somebody, they need to send you a few dollars. For That's that. true. I made a big commercial for it. <laughs> anyway, um, what would be your recommendation? It could be anything. Okay. It could be TV I have, or not. I have two recommendations this week, and they both fall under Netflix, but I'm not sure if they're in any other place, but they're definitely on Netflix. One's hysterical. One's far from hysterical. The first one, Hysterical's uh, An Idiot Abroad. Mm-hmm. It's a British show. It's three seasons so far. Uh, Ricky Gervais, the comedian, he and his producer partner, uh, they entail a third buddy of theirs who has been a TV presenter in the past, Carl. He's a TV presenter in England and has done some things. He's not adult. Carl's not adult, but he's very sheltered. He's very British, doesn't like going anywhere outside of the UK. This is this is all real. It's not, uh, it's not scripted or anything like that. And so Ricky Gervais and his producer buddy decide they want to create a series where they send Carl to different places all around the world and see how he handles being placed in these places. Carl hates anything that's new to him. He didn't even have pasta till he was 21. <laughs> and it is hysterical. They take him in the first episode and they drop him off at the Great Wall of China and make him stay in China for a week and a half. And he's trying to deal with the, the cultural difference of China as opposed to the UK. And his little observations, which aren't always exactly politically correct which probably <laughs> makes it even funnier and 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 they torture him they make him do things like they'll call him on the phone okay we've got this cab driver who's going to take you to this place now and you have to do this or that experience and they want to almost break him by making him do all these experiences so like one week it's taking him to the great wall of china another week they took him to petra in jordan but what they didn't tell him was that he was going to have to go to israel first so he lands in israel hmm. he's all pissed off because he's in Israel. they didn't tell me i was going to Israel. They didn't tell me I was going to Israel. And he's like all freaked out, you know, thinking there's going to be terrorism and all that stuff. And they make him go to the Great Wall of China and he, not the Great, uh, the Wailing Wall. Wailing Wall, yeah. And he's Wailing Wall and he's watching them put their little scraps of, you know, the prayer papers in there and he's just befuddled. And it's hysterical. An Idiot Abroad is hysterical TV. My wife and I now just laugh and we don't normally watch a lot of comedies. We laugh, laugh, laugh. It is, the, and, and Ricky Gervais is so funny. They just absolutely torture him they decided to put him in Cozumel in this little shitty hotel instead of putting him like in a nice hotel someplace because they wanted him to suffer a little bit and they did that to it and in other places as well so I definitely recommend Idiot Abroad you will laugh it's like 18 episodes it is funny I'll find it the other one that's not funny and you may want to punch me in the head after you watch the four episodes. It's They say it's season one, but it's only one season. It's four episodes. It's an Irish TV series called Amber. Amber is a 14-year-old girl who vanishes one day. And the entire series, it's told in a very different way. The parents are separated. There's still the little brothers at home. Amber vanishes one day after leaving a store. And the concept behind it, which is interesting, is you'll see all of a sudden day one, the day she vanishes. And them getting going to the police, the parents frantic first looking all around, talking to her friends. Her friends at first aren't exactly the most forthright because they don't want to get her in trouble and so forth. The days start piling up and it'll say on the screen day 10, day 
40, day 70. But the interesting part is each show, each one of the four episodes is told from a different perspective mm -hmm. of somebody involved on the show. One of them is a parent. Another one, it's a Chinese uh, a Chinese computer worker at a shop, a little shop. It's in Dublin. He's there illegally and he, he finds her phone, her cell phone. This is not giving anything away. Interesting concept, yeah. But he's, he's afraid to turn it in because then that exposes that he's in Ireland right. illegally. Now, I guess it was just on in, in England uh, just recently, a couple of weeks ago. And huge ratings, the whole nine yards. It was actually filmed two years ago. It's been shown around the world before it was shown in England. And without giving anything away, I'm not going to. The ending was extremely controversial. Hmm. And I've spent probably a week and a half ruminating on how the show ended. And be and it's just it's a fascinating it's told in a very different way. And so I really highly recommend Amber. It's I know it's on Netflix. I don't know where else it could be, but interesting. It's, interesting. It's uh, it's it's, it's uh, very interesting. It's show. four times one hour or 42 it's minutes? Four or? Yeah, it's four, it's four times one hour. It's just about one hour each time. Mm -hmm. and, and like for people who, if they're concerned about, you know, the heavy, thick Irish accents, it's not so thick that, you know, you're not going to understand it right away. But it's, it's, it's told from a different, very different point of view. And, Great. You know, don't hate me if, if no, at the I'll, end of it you're just like, what the hell? I what, will. What the uh, hell were you thinking? No, yeah, no, no, no. I'll, I'll give you the report next time we do this. Speaking of which, so we're going to um, we're going to try to continue this and grow it, and hopefully our idea is to get some friends involved so that you don't tire of hearing the same two voices and getting a lot of other topics in here. But the idea really is a personal view. So we're going to be talking about things that we've seen and heard over the week, and also just things we've thought of. And I mean, there's no lack of that. Just between the two of us, we could probably do a series of about 500 of these. So don't be scared. We'll get some other people in here, and it should be really interesting, I hope. Yeah, I do, too. And, you know, I would love for people to say if they want to write to us along the way and just be like, hey, this, you know, I have a question about this, or I have a recommendation about that. You know, people who are, are on Google+, Plus, they can just search for me, James Bearford. Right. They can email me at jamesbearford at gmail.com. Uh, I'd love to hear from people. Okay, let's hope that that happens. We'll be developing things, and maybe we'll have a little bit more of an official structure to contact us when we have more people involved. Sure, Okay. absolutely. All right. So I will see you the soon as possible, because I have a whole bunch of other things I want to say, don't you? Absolutely. I have a very big mouth, and I have tons to say. So. <laughs> All right, bro. Well, soon enough. Talk to you next time. All right, next time, man.